So I'm doing the book of Esther, and just to begin, what a beautiful book this is. Um, I chose this book because it's such an interesting book. God never mentioned in this book at all, um, and it really, it really um, invites us to look for God's activity in this book. So a little bit of um, background information. So we're not exactly sure who wrote the book, but we're assuming it's either Mordecai, Nehemiah, or Ezra. Um, if not, someone please let me know during question time. Um, so Esther, um, when she was a young Jewish girl, her name was Hadassah. Um, but when she goes on to marry the king Ahazaraz, her name is converted to Esther, meaning star. So let's go a little bit back. So the book of Esther begins a hundred years after the Babylonian exile of the Israelites from their land. And the story is set in the capital of Persia, Susa. And the events in the book of Esther occurred from 483 BC to around 473 BC. So it's a similar time to Ezra and the books are close to each other. So which is why the books are close to each other. Um, and during the first reign of the king who chose Esther as his queen, um, the remainder of the Jews had returned to Judah and they were, re, um, they were struggling to reestablish um, a temple worship according to the law of Moses. But Esther and Mordecai, alongside with many other Jews, decided to stay back in Persia, um, whereas many others made their way back to Judah, such as Ezra and Nehemiah. So just going back um, to Genesis, Esther and Mordecai were Benjamites, so they're Israelites, of course. So if we look at Genesis 36, Verse 12. Sorry, before we read that, we know that um, Haman, which is the enemy of the story, or the, the bad guy, um, is, was an Amalekite. So um, he is a son of, of the sons of Esau. So we know that um, Jacob had 12 children, and Benjamin was one of them. And Esau and Jacob didn't have a very good relationship. So, you know, there was a little bit of conflict between the lines of Esau and the lines of Jacob. So if you look at Genesis 36, verse 12, it says, Now Timah was a concubine of Aliphaz, Esau's son, and she bore Amalek to Elphaz. These were the sons of Ada, Esau's wife. So we see that Amalek was the son of Esau. And later on in Exodus, we see the conflict between the Israelites and the Amalekites. So in Exodus 17, 8. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. So pretty straightforward, the Amalekites fought with the Israelites. So why is Esther so important? Esther is the only book apart from the Song of Solomon not to mention God at all, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but this does not mean that God was absent in the book. Um, God's presence permeates throughout much of the story as though he were behind the scenes coordinating everything and circumstances to make all things happen for his will. And much like the book of Ruth, um, this book stands as one of the most skillfully written biblical books, um, using eight feasts throughout the book to systematically represent and resolve the suspense, and the author constructed this book quite perfectly. So the big idea of Esther is that God works um, behind the scenes through using Esther herself and her cousin Mordecai was also a major part of this book. So they are on the verge of a, a total massacre of the Jews 
but God is with them through it all. We'll go through that a little bit later on. And the sovereignty and faithfulness of God permeates through each scene of the book. And God's sovereignty is best summarized in, in Mordecai's encouragement to Esther. Um, when events seemed out of control of to Esther and Mordecai, God was clearly evident through it all. Um, God was at work and he worked through their dark days and he was sovereign even when life didn't make sense, which is why this book is quite beautiful. So if we um, divide the book of Esther, it has 10 chapters. So let me give you a summary of each chapter. So chapter 1, King Ahasuerus of Persia holds two giant parties and he has his wife Bashti executed because she doesn't obey a command that he gives to her. Chapter 2, a search for a new queen results in Esther being taken to the palace, but um, something very critical is that she doesn't share her Jewish identity at all. So Mordecai saves the king from, from two guards or eunuchs um, plotting um, to kill the king, which is also a very a critical part of the story. Um, chapter 3, the evil advisor Haman convinces the king that all Jews in the empire has to bow down to him. Um, which is on Ada the 13th, which is a special day. In chapter 4, Mordecai prevails upon Esther to intercede before the king. Chapter 5, Esther invites the king and Haman to a private party, at which she invites both of them to a second party. Haman decides to create gallows on which to hang Mordecai, who bravely refuses to bow down to him. Um, chapter 6, the king is unable to sleep one night, and on that night, he is reminded that he never rewarded Mordecai for saving his life. Um, and this part is, is really incredible. Um, you could have had any nights um, when the king was sleeping, but on that night, he remembered Mordecai. And Mordecai, uh, Haman decided to set a gallow to kill Mordecai the following day. And you can just see the fact that God's not mentioned, but you can see God's work through his people. And you can see that. God was was there um, through it all. Um, so continuing with chapter 6, when Haman comes to receive the good news from the king, he's completely stunned and he's told that he has to parade Mordecai around town dressed in royal clothing, riding the king's horse. I have no idea what Haman must have been feeling that night, but I wouldn't want to be him in that situation. Um, chapter 7, so during the second party, Esther tells the king, that Haman wishes to exterminate all of the Jewish people. Um, enraged, this enraged the king, um, and Haman was strung up on the gallows which he had prepared for Mordecai, and alongside with all of his family as well. Chapter 8, orders are issued in the king's name, authorizing all Jews to defend themselves and kill those who wish to kill them. Chapter 9, the Jews defend themselves on that special date that I mentioned earlier, Ada the 13th, and they rest on the following day, Ada the 14th, and the day later, um, Ada the 15th, in the capital of Shushan. Um, and the scrolls are sent out to Jews um, and all over the, the place. And finally, in chapter 10, the events are included in the records of Persia and media, and Mordecai is widely popular throughout the whole province. So, themes in the book of Esther, um, I divided it into three. And number one is that God works behind the, behind the scenes. 
And the main theme in the book of Esther is that God is working through it all. There was a divine purpose for all the decisions and details documented in this story, yet none of that became apparent until the very end. Um, and God was arranging all of these secular events to bring about His divine purpose to save the Jews. And secondly, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. So we can see that things turned out really well for Mordecai and really poorly for Haman. Um, and the, the text does not explicitly say that Mordecai loved God, but we see throughout the book that um, him and his younger cousin, uh, not cousin, niece, or just let's say Esther, um, that they, they were really close with God. Um, you could see them grieving and mourning at the news of the pending of the Jews, the Jewish extermination. Um, we can see them fasting, and we can also see them intervene with each other. So not only was he used to save the Jewish people, he also was promoted to a position of prominence in the Persian kingdom. So yeah, we do see God through it all, um, especially for a book that hasn't mentioned God at all. And finally, the Jews... Um, as God's people are often persecuted. That's a very prominent theme that I've seen throughout the Old Testament where we see the Jews um, persecuted. But Haman had an intense hatred for the Jews and he wanted to exterminate them. It was illogical and irrational. It was evil. It was only when Haman planned to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews. In Esther 3.13, we can see a lot of hatred for the Israelites when Haman asks for them to be exterminated. So, and the letters were sent by Koreas into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children, and to plunder their possessions. So that's very strong use of language, but you can see the amount of hatred that Haman had for these people and he wanted to get rid of them all. Um, sorry, there's one more theme. I said three, but there's actually four. Um, and promotion comes from the Lord. Both Esther and Mordecai <laughs> were promoted. And we can see that in chapter 3, verse 17, and eight, um, chapter 8, verse 2. So Esther is um, promoted first, and then Mordecai um, later in the book. And neither individual formally or informally saw the position. Rather, God orchestrated the events in his time to put them in the place of prominence where they could be in use to help accomplish his purpose and to help out the, the people of God. So how do we apply this book? Um, sorry, before, before we do that, we, I wanted to compare um, a character from the book of Esther to Christ, and that is Mordecai. And we can see that both Mordecai and the Lord was kind. So once Mordecai is introduced to us as a Benjamite of the captivity, we immediately see his kindness. He has brought up um, Esther, his orphaned um, cousin or niece, um, as his own daughter, and the relationship is a loving one. And with Christ, we can read throughout the Gospels that the blessed Lord, marked by wonderful compassion and kindness, he met um, whatever he met everyone's needs, and he encountered, he touched lepers. He healed children and allowed a known sinner to wash his feet with her tears. Took time to touch the heart and conscience of the Samaritan woman. 
looked out for his mother's needs while on the cross and in every way showed love to the poor and to the needy. Um, we can also see the faithfulness of both Mordecai and Christ. So Mordecai's faithfulness with respect to the king when he spares the king's life when the two eunuchs wanted to kill him. And um, we can see in Christ as well that his relationship to the ruling authorities during his lifetime on earth. So this is a very, um, very nice theme that we can see through both of them. And both Mordecai and Christ were also sympathetic. Mordecai was threatened with destruction. His life was on the line. And he was acting in accord with the mind of God in refusing to bow down to Haman. And we also see Mordecai um, tear his clothes um, in sackcloths and, sackcloth and ashes, weeping bitterly, um, sharing their distress. Our Lord, as well, we can see um, in Isaiah 63, verse 9, it says, In all the affliction, he was afflicted. We see him weeping over Jerusalem in the Gospels, knowing what tremendous destruction would befall with his people. And both Mordecai and Christ were persecuted. So it's um, Mordecai was hated by Haman. Haman had a 75 foot high gallow built on which he planned to hang Mordecai once he secured the king's permission in his marvelous way. Um, and God frustrated Haman's plans, causing him to reveal the wickedness of his heart's desires. But our Lord did not escape death arranged for him by wicked men. Unlike Haman, he did not grasp after glory for himself. Instead, he made himself, it's, it's a quote from the Bible, um, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to the death of the cross. Um, Mordecai and Christ were also honored. So Mordecai now was brought to greet um, to great honor and power, and the Lord Jesus will be given a greater place up in heaven. And they were also both exalted. The last chapter of Esther shows us Mordecai's greatness after the excitement was passed. The man who had tenderly brought up his, his orphaned relative as his own daughter, who had loyally served the king, who had faithfully obeyed his God. And also our blessed Lord likewise have, has proven himself that he's worthy of every honor. Um, so just to conclude of how do we apply this book into our daily lives and all what I wanted to say is that life can be hard, difficult times can happen and pain cannot be avoided. When life doesn't make sense, do you turn to God or away from him? Um, and let the book of Esther encourage you that God is always present. Jesus called us friends in John 15, 15. And the Spirit is our helper, um, chapter 14, verse 26. And trust and obey as Esther and Mordecai did and watch God silently weave all the events for His glory for our good. Um, something to keep in mind is that when Mordecai had told the queen of what had happened, of the two eunuchs who wanted to kill the king, he was not rewarded for sparing the king's life. But later on, the king remembers that. And we, very similar to us as well, we might not be rewarded for the good things that happen to us here on earth, but remember that there will be an eternal reward up there in heaven. And despite exile, we see that God has not abandoned his promises.
So that's it from me. And I think you should read the book for yourselves. It's really a beautiful book. Thank you.